Today's reading is from John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15, and we'll be going through to the end of the chapter. And if you're reading from the Pew Bibles, you'll find it on page 927. John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15, where Jesus is speaking. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realise that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Luke, and good morning, church. Great to be with you. My name is Paul, if I haven't met you. Uh, Keep your Bibles open, John 14. What we're about to do uh, is extraordinary. We're going to hear God speak to us. So I'm going to pray that he might speak to us through his word. Almighty God, loving Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your life-giving word. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take your word and illuminate it to our hearts and minds, that we might see new things in your word this morning. Father, we want to know you better, to love you more. We want to be your disciples who obey you. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, Be at work in and amongst us this morning. 
in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If only Jesus was with me right now. If only Jesus was with me right now. Do you ever think that or feel that? Uh, and there's times of tragedy or trials where you, you don't know what is happening or why it's happening and you're paralyzed by pain or you're suffocating with sadness. You think, if only Jesus was here right now, he could comfort me, he could sustain me, he could love me. Uh, in those times of temptation, you know, when, when Satan tempts you to despair and tells you of the guilt within, when you're feeling a failure, when you're feeling ungodly, when you're giving in to the temptations of the world, if only Jesus, if only Jesus was with me right now, he could empower me to say no. In those times of uncertainty when you've got decisions to make and you're thinking, what do I do here? It might be about work or about relationships or property or finance. If only Jesus was here, he'd tell me what to do. Or those times, those times when you are spiritually dry or times when you doubt and you don't want to read your Bible and you don't want to pray and Church is a struggle. You think, if only Jesus was here right now, he could speak to me. Or there's times of confusion when you open the Bible and you think, I haven't got a clue what you're on about, God. If only Jesus was here, he could teach me. He'd be a great teacher. Or there's times where you're exhausted. You're utterly exhausted. You are desperately trying to live a godly life. You are striving for holiness. You're pursuing godliness but it's just so hard. If only you could say, Lord Jesus, help me. Would you walk alongside me and empower me and equip me to live the Christian life? Do you ever feel that? If only Jesus was with you right now. Because if you are thinking that, can I say that's the normal Christian life? You cannot do the Christian life without Jesus with you, can you? You cannot walk the Christian life unless Jesus is by your side and with you. You can't do it alone. And that's why John 14 is such an important chapter. The disciples who had lived with Jesus for three and a half years, their whole lives have evolved around Jesus, being with them, being physically present with them. But here they are in the upper room enjoying the Last Supper, the Passover meal, and it's been this, this series of, of, of hammer blows. Jesus said he's going to die. Jesus said he's, that someone's going to betray him, and Peter's going to deny him, and then Jesus says he's going to leave them. And where he's going, they cannot go. And they're going to be left all alone, and, and the disciples are thinking, I can't do this. I can't do this Christian life without Jesus. Doing the Christian life without Jesus physically present is impossible. And so they are they're confused and they are anxious and they're troubled. That's how this chapter begins. John 14 verse 1, he says, Do not let your hearts be, be troubled. And remember, that's a command, not an invitation. An imperative saying, Stop stressing. Please stop stressing. It's how the chapter ends in 1427. 
Exactly the same words, do not let your hearts be troubled. Stop stressing, stop being anxious. He's saying, yeah, I'm going away. I'm going to leave you, but stop stressing. It's going to be okay. Because God's got it and God's got you. He's saying, yes, sure, God is not going to leave Jesus, his son, here on earth, but he's not going to leave you alone. You're not going to do it alone. He's going to send a helper. A helper is going to come. A helper to be with them and to provide for them and to protect them and to speak to them and give him his peace. And that help has a name. Actually, he has many names. He's called the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of truth or the Spirit of power or the Spirit of peace or the Spirit of Jesus. And he will never, ever, ever leave you alone. Friends, Jesus is with you right now. If you're a believer in Christ, Jesus is with you right now by his Holy Spirit. You're not alone in those times of tragedy and trial and dryness and doubt and exhaustion. You are never, ever, ever alone. This is is one of my hobby horses. I think too often we, we create this dichotomy between Jesus and the Holy Spirit, or between the Word and the Spirit, or between experience and, 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 and obedience, and head and heart, but there is no dichotomy. It's Word and Spirit and Jesus and obedience and experience and head and heart, all wrapped into one. That is a normal Christian life. So today we're going to build a sentence, a sentence for you to, to memorize and believe about the Holy Spirit. Here's the first bit. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our helper. So who is this Holy Spirit? Not not what is the Holy Spirit, but who is the Holy Spirit? Because he's a person. He's a he, not an it or a force. See that in verse 17? The spirit of truth. The the world cannot, cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him and he lives with you and will be in you. So we know him as a person a real rich relationship with the third person of the Trinity. R.A. Toy said this, the Holy Spirit is not a blind, impersonal influence or power that comes into your lives to illuminate, sanctify and empower you. No, he's immeasurably more than that. He's a holy person who comes to dwell in your hearts. If you think of the Spirit as a force, you'll want more of it. If you understand the Spirit as a person, you want a deeper relationship with him. So who is this Holy Spirit, the he, the the him? Verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Advocate to help you. That that word advocate is the word paraclete. And it means one who comes alongside you. Now some versions say a a comforter. The problem with that word is that we think, you know, a nice cup of hot chocolate and a warm, cozy doona. Uh, some versions say a, a counsellor. The problem with that, we just think therapist. The advocate is a legal word. It's the one who acts on your behalf. It's the one who comes to court with you, who is alongside you, your friend who testifies to your character, the one who speaks justice, your biggest fan, your supporter, your helper. But look at that word, another advocate. Another advocate. In in the Bible, there there are two different words for another. One is another of a different kind, and one is another of the same kind. Let me try and explain this. 
Imagine that you've got a, a set of precious coffee cups, six coffee cups, and I break one of your coffee cups. And I say, oh, look, I'll, I'll get you another one. And, and I come back with this coffee cup. It's another coffee cup, but, but it, it looks totally different. It, it's a different color. It's a different shape. And you say, it's not the same. And I say to you, but it's okay. It does a job. It, it, it holds coffee. And you go, no, it's different. I want another of exactly the same kind. That's the word for another here. Exactly the same kind as Jesus. Another Jesus, the same power, the same provision, the same presence of Jesus. Another Jesus we've got, he's called the Holy Spirit. Another advocate to help you. What does that word help mean? It means help. He's there to be with you, to support you, to carry you, to encourage you, to help you. And let's be honest, we all need the help we can possibly get. We need a helper, someone who will carry our burdens, feel our pain, empower and enable us. Verse 16 again, another advocate to help you and be with you forever. How long is forever? Forever. He doesn't promise to be with you just for three and a half years like Jesus was. He doesn't say he'll be with you to start off your Christian life and then he'll leave you to go on by yourself. He doesn't promise to be with you for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. He promises to be with you forever to the day you take your last breath. The Spirit of God will be your helper. He's permanent. He is reliable because he's called the Spirit of truth. Verse 17, he speaks truth. He reveals truth. He's the source of truth. Oh, the world can't accept him, verse 17, but you know him. The Holy Spirit, God himself, is your helper. You cannot do the Christian life without his help. In fact, there is no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. I hope you know that. It was the Spirit of God who opened your eyes to see Jesus. It was the Spirit of God who convicted your heart to believe in Jesus. It was the Spirit of God who brought you to repentance and faith. It's the Spirit of God who equips you and empowers you to live your daily Christian life. There is no Christian life without the personal work of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? The problem is that we know up here that he's our helper. But we kind of arrogantly or self-sufficiently think we can do the Christian life without him. Oh, we might give him the patronizing nod occasionally when we're in desperate need. But I don't really think that we are totally dependent on him every minute of every hour of every day. So the Holy Spirit is our helper, next phrase, who indwells every believer. The Holy Spirit is our helper who indwells every believer. Not just who is the Holy Spirit, but who has the Holy Spirit. And the answer is everyone. Everyone who believes in Jesus has the Holy Spirit. If you love Jesus, you've got the Spirit of God in you. You ever bought a a new car, the, the salesperson has this pitch and they say, we've got three models. We've got the, the basic model, we've got the mid model, we've got the luxury model. And most normal people say, oh, I, I, I'll just take the basic one. And you get your new car and you're driving on your, your brand new car and as you drive with your basic model, you spot all these plastic bits on the dashboard where a switch should be or a screen should be. And you, and you just imagine all these, all these people driving around in the luxury versions. 
And I wonder whether too many Christians think of it like that. We think that other people have the luxury version of the Holy Spirit. And we feel as though we've just got the basic Holy Spirit. That is not just wrong. That is damaging to your faith. I'm not saying that the Spirit doesn't keep on filling us. I'm not saying there are moments in life where we have an extraordinary experience of the Holy Spirit, but please don't think you've got less than the Holy Spirit. You've either got him or you haven't. Because the Spirit is a person, isn't he? And so you can't have more of a person than a person. You know, if you say, I've got a, I've got a friend coming to my house this afternoon, you don't say, oh, I've got the arm and the leg, but I haven't got the ears or the eyes. You've either got the person or you haven't got the person. As if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have got the Spirit of God in you, yes? Please, please never doubt that. If you love Jesus, he's given you his Holy Spirit. Jesus says the same thing three times. It's really important, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands and I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Same again, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them by the Holy Spirit. Same in verse 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them by the Holy Spirit. Now, church, please, please, please listen carefully. Note the order here. Jesus does not say, he does not say, obey me and then I'll love you. Have you got that? He doesn't say obedience will produce love. You know, if you keep my commands, then God will love you more. If you honour God, he'll honour you. Treat God nicely, he'll treat you nicely. Obey God and then he'll really, really, really love you. That isn't biblical. That is graceless religion. And way, way, way too many people sit in church thinking like that, controlled by this fear and manipulated to this dutiful, loveless obedience. Look at verse 15. If you love me, he says, then produce obedience. Love produces obedience, not the other way around. If you love me, then you will obey me. And I'll send my Holy Spirit to enable and equip you to keep on obeying me. If you're a parent, you'll get this. You can try and shape your child by fear and force, and they might obey you, but it'd be duty, obligation. And they might submit to you, but I can guarantee they'll rebel and they'll leave home. But if as a parent, you love them and you lavish them with love, then they'll love you back. And they'll want to try and do the right thing. They'll fail, they're not perfect but they want to try and obey because it's motivated by love. And I find this fascinating that Jesus said this right after Judas had just left. Because I think Judas was outwardly obedient. On the outside, he looked obedient. He, he was a model disciple, great Bible knowledge, great Bible teaching. But there may have been outward obedience, but there was no inner love. He didn't love Jesus. And I, I, I'm... I'm saying this guy, fear in church, there are way too many people who stuff their head with Bible knowledge and are seeking with obedience. But it's not driven by love. How do you get the Spirit? Just by loving Jesus. 
Do you love Jesus? Do you come to Jesus and say, I need you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You're my all, you're my life, you're my everything. If you put your trust in Jesus, you have got the Holy Spirit in you. He's indwelling you. That's the word used in verse 17. He lives with you and will be in you. That's extraordinary. Not just by your side, not speaking from on high, but living in you. So God, by his spirit, sees everything, knows everything, cares about everything. It is so different from before Christ, before Pentecost. I mean, again, you know this. In the Old Testament, the spirit of God came, what? On people. He came on them to empower them for a task. He came on Saul to empower them for a task, but then the spirit left him. That's why David prays in Psalm 51, don't take your spirit from me. In Jesus' time, the spirit was with people by the physical presence of Jesus. But he's not just on us or with us. He is in us. He's in us. That's extraordinary. He doesn't come and go. You don't get monthly installments of the spirit. You don't wake up and he's disappeared. He's always with you. So when you doubt, he assures you. When you're struggling, he affirms you. When you don't know what to pray, he intercedes for you. When you're feeling weak, he empowers you. He convicts you. He sanctifies you. He gifts you. And I've loved verse 23 this week. This has really struck me. Verse 23, Jesus says, we will come to them and make our home with them, with you and I. And that word home in verse 23 is exactly the same word as the word place, back in verse 2. Remember that? Jesus is going to prepare a place, a home in heaven. But Jesus is also preparing a place or a home in our hearts. I love that. So, So in death, we've got a home, a heavenly home. But in life, we've got a home here in our hearts by his spirit. It's so amazing. So here's my question. Not just do you have the spirit, But does the Spirit really have you? Do you really depend on him and rely on him? Do you really call on him for help? To be honest, the last two weeks have been tough weeks for Rach and I. And there's there's been moments in the last two weeks where I've been so stressed and so anxious and almost overwhelmed. And I've suddenly realized I haven't opened my Bible, I haven't prayed, and I haven't prayed on the Spirit for help. And the moment I do that, God provides in extraordinary and immaculate ways. It's incredible. The people alongside you, a word from him, or this peace that you can't explain, his provision, his protection. Do you really depend on it? Do you start each day saying, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, Would you enable and provide for me today? When you walk into that meeting, do you pray, Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit, would you equip me to to lead this meeting well? When you're facing that person where there's a temptation to retaliate or to be bitter, do you pray, Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit, would you guard my tongue and help me to speak what is true and right? Do you live your constant Christian life by the power of the Holy Spirit? It's not that he's not there to help you. It's that often we don't ask for that help. So he's our helper who indwells us. Why? What purpose? What does he do? What's his job description? 
Oh, study the scriptures. He has a massive job description. He inspires, illuminates, teaches, rebukes, corrects, comforts, sanctifies, reveals, assures, protects, provides, gifts, enables. So many things. As I close, let's finish on three quick things. He's there for our assurance. He reminds us. He reminds us that we really are children of God. Our assurance, verse 18, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'll come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. I won't leave you as an orphan, as a fatherless, as a childless thing, without a family. You have a family. You have a father. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So Romans 8, the Spirit testifies that you are a child of God. You ever been to a prayer meeting and you're in a small group and people normally pray, you know, Almighty God and Heavenly Father or Lord Almighty. And then just suddenly sometimes we'll pray, someone will pray, Daddy. And I find it quite confronting. Daddy, please do this. Why is that confronting? Because it's just a child who's calling out to their dad. Isn't it a sign of intimacy and dependence? You know, as a father myself, when my kids cry out to me, Dad, everything within me wants to help them. Now, sometimes I can't help. Sometimes I'm not there. But your father in heaven, your dad in heaven, is always there. Never too busy, never distracted by his iPhone, never on a business trip, always present, always available. And by the Spirit, we just cry out, Dad, Abba, Father, you're a child of God, you're loved, you're cherished, you're chosen. So we've got the Spirit for our assurance that we really are children. We've got the Spirit for our obedience, because verse 15 is really hard. If you love me, keep my commands. And we say, yeah, I do want to, God. I, I, I strive for holiness. I want godliness. But it's so flipping hard. It is hard. That's why you need the Spirit of God. Please don't think you can pursue obedience without the work of the Holy Spirit. We've got the scriptures. We're told down in verse 26, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now listen up, he's not talking about us there. He's not saying that you and I will have these, these amazing fresh revelations. He's speaking about the disciples, the, the, the people who lived with Jesus. And after Jesus left them, the Spirit of God reminded them and jogged their memories and they wrote down the, the gospel. So we've got the Word of God here. The authentic, accurate Word of God. This is a, a Spirit-filled Bible. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no Bible. But without the Holy Spirit, you and I can never understand the Bible. And what happens is you're reading the word of God and the spirit suddenly illuminates a bit of scripture and you go, oh, wow. And you feel convicted, I I need to do that, but I can't do that. Yes, you can with God's help. And then when you're reading the scriptures and it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You go, really, God, any? I can't do that. No, you can't, but the spirit can. Get rid of any bitterness. I can't do that. No, you can't, but the spirit can. Love the marginalised, the poor and needy. You can't do that, but the Spirit can. That's what the Spirit does. He, he takes the word of God, he illuminates your hearts and minds, and then he empowers you and equips you to actually do it. Church, listen carefully. God does not just want Bible knowledge. He wants obedience. It's not a memory test. 
as to how many scriptures you can quote. It's an obedience test. Will you live out your faith? Will you put the word of God into practice? And no, you can't do it, but God can. So call out to him, plead with him, Spirit of God, help me. One final thing. Our assurance, you are a child of God, your obedience, you can keep the word of God by his power, in his strength. And then lastly is peace. We long for peace, but look at what Jesus says, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give you. Again, I know you know this, when the Bible talks about peace, there are two different types of peace, aren't there? There's peace with God, and the peace of God. Peace with God, so you're right with your maker, and the peace of God, which is that, that calmness and that contentment and that security even in the storms of life. And God the Son gives you the peace with God through his death on the cross. It's God the Spirit who gives you the peace of God, that peace that passes all understanding. And what I love about verse 27, he says, my peace, or literally my own peace, says Jesus, I give you. So the Spirit gives us the peace of Jesus. Do you ever see Jesus discontent or anxious, even when he faced opposition? You ever heard of the cushion of the sea? The cushion of the sea is that place in the ocean where it's always calm. No matter what's happening on the surface, no matter how rough the sea is, how big the waves are, you can find a depth in the sea where it's called the cushion of the sea where it's completely calm. That is like the Holy Spirit. He doesn't pretend that the storms aren't there. The seas may be raging, the storm may be raging, you may be battered and bruised and in pain, but it gives you this peace, this peace that is inexplicable. No, it's not inexplicable because it comes from Jesus himself. So that's the Holy Spirit. He's our helper who indwells you, who gives you assurance and obedience and peace. So here's my question. Do you really want Jesus to stay on this earth? If Jesus had stayed here, we'd all have to be in Jerusalem in one place. There would be no cross. There'd be no resurrection. There'd be no ascension. There'd be no Pentecost. Way better that Jesus left. Why? Because we've still got Jesus. In those times of trial and tragedy, of exhaustion, of doubt or dryness, he never leaves you. You're never abandoned. You're never alone. Do you believe that? He is there for you. The question is whether you ask him for help. Let me pray. There was another one in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the, wo- in the waters holding back the sea. Should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there's a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. Lord Jesus, thank you for sending your spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit of peace, the spirit of power. Forgive us for times we don't call out to you and don't ask for help. Forgive us for our arrogance and our pride and our self-sufficiency. Spirit of God, we long to see more of you. 
to experience more of you in our daily lives. And so we pray, Spirit of God, would you provide and protect and sustain and equip and enable us. May experience your mighty help and your mighty power. Because we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.